It is great to see you all here. I want to welcome you, our guests. My name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here at Higher Vision. I want to welcome all of our online campus. People literally around the world are joining us in Sweden. People around America like Phoenix and Dallas and all over LA County. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you have a Bible uh, or you get your scripture through your phone, go with me to Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. As you're going there, let me just say this. Easter is coming. It's going to be incredible. Passion Week starts Wednesday and goes through Sunday. And I just want to encourage you, we need volunteers to help us. How many know nine services in four days is a lot? But we're excited because we've created a lot of opportunities, but we need volunteers. So would you do me a favor? If you're interested in volunteering and you're not involved volunteering right now, take that connection card out and just write Easter across the top. Put your name, email, phone number, and later on in the service when the offering bag goes by, place it in there. And uh, we want to invite you to come next week after our second service. We have the build meeting. It's a place for you to kind of be equipped and trained to help us for those services. So take a minute, fill out that card, put it in there. We'd appreciate it very much. You know, um, we're super excited because uh, we've been learning about this principle called multiply. We know that God wants to bring blessings. Did you know God wants to bless you? How many know God wants to bless us? And God wants to not only bless you, but he wants to multiply blessings in your life. And we've been being challenged over the beginning of this year to stand up and lead. God is calling us to leadership. In fact, today we have about 100 people that just went through a leadership course here at Higher Vision Church to be trained and equipped. And one of the things that we're learning this year is that God is shifting our perspective so that we'll begin to look at life not just from an earthly perspective, but from an eternal perspective. And so one of the areas we're talking about is the area of finances and wealth. And typically once a year or once every other uh, year and a half, we address this issue because, you know, we go to the Bible for lots of things. We, We think it's appropriate to go to the Bible to learn about how to raise our kids. Amen, that's a good place to go, right? Train up your kids in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart. And we go to the Bible when we need wisdom for life. We could just go through the list of why we go to Scripture to guide us, but it's interesting because a lot of people wonder why we want to go to the Bible when it comes to finances. What we discover is that Jesus talked quite a bit about possessions, about finances, and God wants to prepare you and help you to take the resources you've been given to use them wisely, to multiply them, and for him to be able to bless you. And so, as we talk today about finances, last week we began with a a message called God Must Be First. In fact, let me ask you a question. How many of you were here last weekend and enjoyed Pastor Robert Morris as he taught on that topic? You know what was amazing is that we had last week 130 families or individuals that turned in the card. In fact, if you'll pull this out right now, there's a card in there called Multiply, God, Making God First. If you want to pull that out right now, in fact, if you don't have one, the ushers have some of these. Why don't you just wave your hand and make sure that you get one. At the bottom, it has a place saying, Make God First. We had 130 people or families last week commit to either tithe to God for a year for the first time or recommit to tithe and make God first. Is that not amazing, awesome? And what we learned is that when we make God first and we return the 10% to Him, the rest is blessed. We give the first to God and the rest is blessed. You see, it's about 
giving and returning is not necessarily about money. It's about honoring God and knowing that he is first in our life. And so we learned that principle last week. In fact, I'm going to tell you something today that might surprise you coming from a pastor because I know sometimes churches talk about wealth and giving and so on. But let me tell you something. You can come to Higher Vision. You can log on, be a part of our online campus. And your entire life, if you accept Jesus, your entire life, you could never give a dime, never tithe, never give offerings. But if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're going to go to heaven. You don't have to give anything. We're glad you're here. But I will tell you this. You will never live the blessed life. You'll never see the greatest multiplication of God's grace, not just in your finances, but in every aspect of your life until you learn the principle of making him first. And all of you who figure that out, say amen. amen. So we're going to challenge you. In fact, we have a book called The Blessed Life. And in the lobby, right in the back, there is the book by Robert Morris. And it's a powerful book that teaches you the principles of being people who are generous. And we have, as a church, bought several of those and are wanting to just invest them in your life. And last week we had several, I think 300 books we gave away last weekend. We have a few more out in the lobby. And I wanna encourage you, take one per family. If you didn't get one, don't take one for everyone in the family, but one per family. Take this book and I wanna encourage you to read it. It's filled with biblical principles. And we want to invest that in you. You know, God's teaching us the power of generosity. And I love this statement. And that is this. As a church, I believe as a family, we want to lead the way with irrational generosity. Because we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. So we learned one kind of big idea. And... Today we're going to continue. I'm going to teach a message today called Sowing and Reaping. And I want to take a passage. If you have your Bibles, if you haven't turned there, turn to Luke chapter 6. And as we learn that God must be first, we learn simply this. And that was that all that we have, we have because God's given it to us. And so what God says is, I want to make sure that your priorities are right and that I'm first in your life. So here's what you need to know. 90% of what you have is yours, but 10% of what I've given you really belongs to me. And I want you to return that to me first. And if you return the 10% to me through your local church, in tithes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless the 90 more than if you kept all 100% for yourself. And so we're going to learn today about the principle of giving. Now, here's the interesting thing. A lot of times there are people who are waiting for the blessing and waiting for, you know, blessings to be multiplied in their life. And they've given, you know, and they think that they should receive a blessing. But here's the challenge. The reason they haven't seen the blessing, they haven't seen the increase, is because maybe they haven't understood what real giving is. And so I want to explain it quickly with a little illustration. Pastor James, do you have a wallet with you today? Do you have, do you have any money in that wallet? Plastic. You have plastic. Okay, all right. So that's where a lot of us are. Martin, do you have a wallet? You don't? All right. Nobody came to church with a wallet. I guess you're not planning to give today. That's okay. Um, you, got, you got some money? Okay, awesome. You, what do you got in there? Well, so, you know, I was sitting here and I was thinking that I wanted to bless Martin. Um, and so you have, oh, oh, you have receipts? Wait a minute, what are we, what are we doing here? No. <laughs> 
So you got, okay, you got your wallet. Awesome. So what do we got in here? We got a Okay, we got $2. There's more in there. I didn't want to take it. Thank you. So, so I, you know, I was sitting here thinking that I wanted to bless Martin because, you know, he's just such a great guy. I love his smile. I love his accent. It's awesome. How many think it'd be nice to bless Martin? So Martin, I know it's not a lot, but you know what? I just want to bless you with $2. Can I give Martin $2? Let's do that today. Give a hand for coming up and being blessed. Now, most of you are sitting there thinking, you're going, you didn't bless him with $2. You didn't give him anything. You stole money from someone else to give him something. And you see, many times we're waiting for the blessing because we think we've given. But I want to tell you something. When you take 10% that belongs to God and you choose to do something else with it besides bring it into the storehouse, you're never going to see the multiplied blessing because you haven't ever given anything yet. Here's the reality. Generosity begins at 11%. It's once we reach 11% that we have from our resources that belong to us the opportunity to demonstrate we want to give of what we have to be a blessing to someone else and that's why the Bible talks about in Malachi that that God says I want you to give the tithes and the offering you see the 10% is the Lord's we're not giving that we're returning that so we return the 10% back to the house of God where we worship but then once we reach 11% we have the opportunity now to take of what is ours and say I'm going to be generous I don't know about you, but I want to lead the way with irrational generosity because I truly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you believe that, somebody shout amen. So here's the the quote we gave you last week. You ready? The quote last week was simply this. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. I want to say it again. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. And so we're going to learn the principle today of giving, but I want to set the foundation. Last week, and if you didn't get to be here last week, go and watch online the sermon. It's there, um, and it's me. I said it, kind of share a little bit, and then Robert Morse teaches on the principle of the first fruits and the tithe. But today what we're going to talk about is what we talk about as giving, which is going beyond the tithe. That's where we give of what belongs to us to be generous to others. And so today I want to encourage you to stand to your feet. We're going to read this passage together, Luke chapter 6. And I want you to hear my heart today. Those of you joining us online and in this room, listen, I want you to know something today. I don't want anyone ever to feel in any way that we're trying to manipulate you or trying to coerce you into doing something that you don't want to do. Because you're going to find out today that, that giving is important, but it involves our heart and we need to have good motives and the right motives. Our heart is never to do that. Here's what our heart is to do, is to teach you from God's word so that you can live principles that will cause you to be blessed. And I want you to be blessed today. So I want to show you a principle that will open that up and make that possible. Let's say this verse together. Everyone, those of you online, those of you in the room here today, let's read it together. Ready, everyone? And it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, 
it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts. Tear down all of the the fear, all of the skepticism, all of the uncertainty. Sometimes the, the walls that we built around us, maybe because of a bad situation we were in, Lord, whatever it might be, Lord, tear all that down and open our hearts to hear your truth. Just say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Now, we do this. We just soften your heart and yield for a moment to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? You may be seated today. Thank you, David. Now, we just read this passage, which basically tells us that if we give, and we know that generosity begins at 11%, so the first point is bringing the 10% back to God. That positions us for the enemy to be rebuked and for God's blessings to come. But there is a multiplication of God's grace and favor in our life that comes through giving. And the Bible says if you sow, you're going to reap. And I want to talk about that concept Today, I want to talk about God's multiplied blessings. But when you read this verse, given it will be given to you, it goes on to a part of the scripture which, you know, kind of almost sounds like a dance or something. Good measure and shaken together and, you know, I don't know. But a lot of us have never really understood what that means. In fact, I've never really realized the significance until recently. I heard a pastor teach on this topic and I'm sharing a lot of what he shared because it was so good and so profound. And so in that message, there was some research done, and basically, in the day that Jesus gave this verse, he was talking to people who understood farming. In fact, most people were farmers at that time. And so if you owned a field and you had a wheat, for instance, a farm that was filled with wheat, during harvest season, you would hire laborers to come and work for you. And when they came... What you would do is you would go out into the field and you would have a big basket. And that basket, they would cut the wheat and sometimes they would thresh the wheat and then you would put it in your basket. But here's the deal. When you got the basket of wheat, you would then carry it across the field to either the storage area or to the place where you were unloading it. But because of the weight of the wheat and because of people, you know, wanting to not hurt their backs and so on, they would take this basket and they would fill it about halfway up. And so they would carry the basket all the way across the field to wherever they were going, and then they would dump it out at the place where they would store, and then they would go back, and they would continue. And all day long, back and forth, they would go carrying the wheat. Usually the the basket was about half full because the wheat was heavy, and, and so they wanted to make sure that they could carry it. It wasn't too hard for them. And oftentimes, a a, a nice, good landowner, when he paid them, he would pay them in wheat. And what he would say is, he would say, listen, throughout the day, carry the wheat from here to there, but the last basket at the end of the day, or the last basket at the end of the week, belongs to you. How full do you think that basket was? Most likely, it wasn't half full or three-quarters full. It was pressed down, shaken together. How many know what I'm talking about? Shaken together and probably spilling over was the basket that they carried. 
Now, I know that takes a picture, but let's make it practical. How many here have ever gone to Circle K to get an icy? Come on. Now, when you go get an icy, if you're not careful, you'll fill up that, but there's a lot of air, and they have that little top that goes on, and so what do you do? You want to maximize your icy return. So if you're like me, I, I, what do you do? You shake it, press it down, right? You put the cap on and then you stick it under there and fill it all the way up so you see blue all the way to the top. In fact, not only that, it usually spills out and falls down the side. How many know what I'm talking about? And if you're like me, you lick it off as it's falling. And even I've heard of people, I don't know that I've ever done this, take their straw and kind of suck out the top part and ta- top it back off. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you see, when we see this passage and we see God says, if you give, generosity begins at 11%. When you give, he says this, he says, I will give back to you and I will multiply When it comes back, so I want to give you some principles. I'm going to give you two principles from this verse, and then we're going to look at Corinthians. And in Corinthians, we're going to see, you and I, some real cool insight when it comes to generosity and giving. So here's point number one. I want you to write this down. Pull it out of your your programs. You can write these notes in. You ready? Here's the first principle of sowing and reaping. You ready? It's very simple, and that's this. You reap what you sow. Will you say that with me, everybody? You reap what you sow. Given it will be given to you. It tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, if you go out into your garden, if you have a garden and you plant tomato seeds, you're going to reap. If you plant zucchini seeds, you're going to reap. If you are someone who smiles at people, you're probably going to reap a If you give forgiveness to people, you're more likely to receive A man reaps what he sows. And it doesn't just work with smiling and with forgiveness. It works in the area of possessions and finances. In fact, let's say it this way, men, if you treat your spouse, your wife, with love and with care and with compassion and with honor, you're going to reap love and compassion and honor, right? And if you don't do that and you treat your spouse and you're mean and you're harsh and you're rude, how many know it will be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, coming back at you. Come on, somebody. Just throwing that out there. Because the Bible teaches us, you reap what you sow. You ready for point number two? Not only does the scripture teach us you reap what you sow, but here's what the scripture teaches. You reap more than what you sow. Not only do you reap what you sow, but the Bible says you reap more than what you sow. You know, there's a a beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. Here's what it says. It says, and everyone who has left houses 
or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. In other words, people who are willing to make sacrifices for God. God doesn't just let you reap what you sow. He lets you reap more than what you sow. Jesus tells a parable about a man who went and sowed seed. And he said one seed in the certain ground brought back a 30-fold return. Another seed brought back a 60-fold return. And another one brought back a 100-fold return. I'm here to tell you something today. You need to understand when it comes to this principle of multiplication. God wants to multiply his blessings in your life. But here's the cool thing. He won't just multiply it in one thing. He'll multiply it in many things. He'll multiply it in your family. He'll multiply it in your relationships. He'll multiply it in your finances. God will not be mocked, the scripture says, for what a man sows, he's going to reap. And not only is he going to reap what he sows, but he's going to reap more than what he sows. And the Bible says when we sacrifice for him, God will not be a debtor, but he will return back to us above and beyond. Good measure. Shaken down, running over. <laughs> if you missed it, talking about ICs right there. I'll give you an example of this. Um, my wife and I, uh, when we lived in Modesto, we had first moved there and we had some neighbors that we had talked to a little bit and it was kind of sad, very, very, very sad because one day, it happened to be tax day. I came driving up, and when I drove up, I saw the ambulance there, and actually, now that I remember, the ambulance wasn't there. I actually saw the garage door, and, and our neighbor's wife come running over, and, and I went over, and basically, long story short, um, her husband had committed suicide. I went in and checked on him, and we called the ambulance, and they came and found out that he had this huge tax debt that he owed, and here it was on tax day he took his own life and it was such a tragic and sad thing and we cared for the 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 widow they had no children we just tried to love on her and and um she was in a bad situation financially struggling to try to stay afloat and it just so happened that she found this job in the bay area a lot of people in modesto commuted to the bay area and so one day I was talking to her and she was really down and I'm like, what's going on? Why are you sad? She goes, well, my, my car is just, it's a mess. Like, it's not working anymore. And she goes, and I need this job. As long as I have this job, I'm going to be able to keep my house. But I can't keep the job if I don't have a car. And if I have a car, I'm not going to keep my house. And it was an old car. I mean, it was a junker. And the thoughts and the money that would require to fix it were just ridiculous. And and as she said it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give her your truck. Now, my wife and I had two vehicles at that time. We had a minivan and we had a truck. And I had my truck. It was paid for. We had three kids at the time, I think all in diapers. And so as I, you know, got that kind of word from God, hey, give this truck to her, I didn't act on it immediately. I went home and I talked to Devet and I said, Devet, here's what the Lord's saying. I feel like we're supposed to give our truck. She needs it. She's not going to be able to keep her job. She can't keep her job. She can't keep her house. You know, and the Bible says we're to take care of widows. And so what do you think if we give her your truck? And of course, my wife has got a gift of generosity and she didn't even have to think about it. She's like, let's do it. Let's give her the truck. 
So I, I'll never forget walking over and, and handing her the keys. And she looked at me like, what are you doing? Are you loaning me your car? And I said, no, I'm not loaning your car. I'm giving you my car. And she just began to weep. And it was just such a special moment. And, you know, she used that truck for years, driving back and forth to the Bay Area. And there was a lot of joy that we experienced in giving. But that didn't mean that it wasn't difficult for us because now what it meant was is we were a family with one vehicle and we didn't really have money to go buy another one at the time. And so what that meant was, and it was back before my kids were going to school, it meant that when dad had to go to work, Devette had to take me, but we had babies. So that meant that Devette and, and I, we had to get up, more of her had to get up and... Um, <laughs> Get the kids ready, and I tried to help. I was always tried to be helpful, and um, uh, but she she was a little bit more responsible in that area than me, and and so she would have to get up and get all the kids ready for, you know, for taking me to work, load everybody up in the car, change all the diapers, get everybody to take me to work, and then come home and then go on with getting on with her day and then had to come and sometimes picks me up for lunch or sometimes come and then obviously get me at the end of the day. So several months went by and we were believing God to eventually get another vehicle. Now remember what the scripture says that you reap what you sow but the Bible also says you reap more than what you sow. So we were just going on and we had determined whether I got another vehicle or not, this was what God had called us to do. And let me just stop and say one of the beautiful things about giving when we learn that 10% belongs to God and we return that to him first and that's his and if we're using that money to give to other things that we're not really giving, we're stealing because we're taking something that belongs to somebody else, right? We, we learn that principle. But when you learn to above that, that generosity begins at 11% as a Christian, when we begin to give of our means there is such joy in giving when you're, the Lord is leading you because you know that God's going to bless you. You know that you've been obedient. Can I tell you, it feels good to obey. And so one day I get a phone call. A few months later, I get a phone call. And here's what the phone call says. Pastor Jared, listen, we just got a settlement because of an accident that happened on the job with our, my husband. And the Lord spoke to us and told us we're supposed to give you an offering. Now, I had no idea what that was going to be, but they said, we want to give it to you. And so I'm like, you know, hung up the phone, hallelujah, you know, I'm a, a, an offering, I'll take it, praise God. Well, then it just so happens that we went down to Fresno at the time and we're visiting and it just so happens that my brother-in-law says, you know, I'm getting rid of this car and I've got a car. If you're interested, I'd be glad to sell it to you. And I'm like, oh, let me just make the story short. Guess how much the amount of the offering was? The exact amount that he wanted for the car. Is that not awesome? Now remember, you reap what you sow, but you reap more than what you sow. It was my first luxury car. It had leather seats. It had a killer sound system. It had the moon roof. It had all the stuff that my ugly old truck didn't have because here's the point. You reap what you sow, and God is not a debtor. He multiplies, so you will even reap more than what you sow. Somebody say amen. I'm to tell you that God blesses us when we have a heart of generosity. We will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen? 
So here's what I want to do. We've talked about Luke chapter 6. I want to take a minute now and I want to give you three giving principles found in the book of Corinthians. So if you have your notes, pull them out. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a passage where Paul is speaking to people about giving. And we're going to learn a few principles about giving. Now, we know already the principle, and if you missed last week, please go back and watch last week's message online. Robert Morris, it's an amazing message about making God first. It talks about the tithe and the first fruits. But what we're going to talk about now is generosity, giving above and beyond. And here's what Paul says. Let me give you point number one. This is kind of a principle for giving. You ready? Write this down. When it comes to giving, here's the first thing you need to know. When it comes to giving... Your heart matters when you give. Your heart matters when you give. Let's read what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Here's what Paul says. Remember this, whoever sows or gives sparingly or a little bit will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap, what's the word? Generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves, God loves, what does God love? A cheerful giver. In fact, that word can be interpreted or translated hilarious. I have to tell you that when we gave that truck I got to tell you that it was joyful. Our hearts were filled with joy. We were cheerful to be able to help someone in need. And what I want you to know today is that when it comes to giving, it's about the heart. In fact, did you know that Jesus said that he could tell where your heart is? He could know the condition spiritually of your heart more than any other area, more than than going to church, more than serving in a capacity of volunteering your time. He said, here's how I can know your heart where your treasure is, or where however you manage your resources is how I'll know where your heart is, what your priorities are, who's first, who's second, what's most important. Your heart matters when you give. And sometimes giving is something that comes naturally, especially if you have a gift of giving. But for some of us, it reminds me of a story. Remember, uh, maybe you haven't heard this, but there was a, this lady, who, uh, mother, who, who looked at her daughter one day and said, hey, listen, I want to give you some money to give in the offering today. So she gave her a $5 bill and a $1 bill. So they went into church. And so they got to church and the offering bag went by. And as the offering bag was getting ready to go by, she looked over and she saw her daughter holding the five and the one. And she could tell, she was just trying to figure out, am I going to give the five or am I going to give the one? Well, the offering bag goes by and she places the $1 bill in. So after the service, she was talking to her daughter and she was kind of trying to be nonchalant. She's like, so I I noticed you gave in the offering. She said, yes, I did. She goes, what did you give, the five or the one? She goes, well, I gave the one. And she said, well, how come? She goes, well, you know, I was sitting there thinking, and then I heard the pastor say that God loves a cheerful giver, and I figured I'd be a whole lot more cheerful if I gave the one instead of the five. (laughs) Now, I know that's funny, right? But let's just get real. That's where a lot of us are. I'm a whole lot more cheerful if I just give a little bit every once in a while. I throw in a little tip to God. 
You realize that most of us tip waiters and waitresses more than we honor percentage-wise the Lord. We'll give them the 20%, but the Lord says, just give me 10 and we won't return it. Because we, we, ch- we, we struggle with trust, right? We struggle with fear. Can God really bless me more with 90 than with 100? I'm going to tell you, God's word is true, and he wants to multiply blessings. In fact, I'm going to tell you something right now. Your heart matters when you give. It's about aligning your heart. It's about making a decision that I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put him first. And I'm going to tell you, when you do that, I'm going to tell you, it is a joy to give. In fact, let me tell you, I don't think I have ever heard a joyful keeping story. Well, we were at this event, and we saw someone in need, and we felt like maybe we should give them some money to help them out, and, and, but you know what? I just rebuked that temptation in Jesus' name, and I kept that money for myself. Hallelujah. It was a beautiful day. Well, we, we were at that event, and there was a family that didn't have any money for Christmas, and everyone was saying, well, should we help them out? And I was feeling like maybe I should help them out, but praise God, I stood against that temptation, and now they didn't have a good Christmas. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Honestly, can you think of ever a time that you were joyful, a good emotional keeping story? It always comes down to when we learn to give and when we're generous, there is a joy in giving. Some of us, though, the reality is where we are is we really don't have joy in giving because we're scared. And that's true. I I know in my own life there was a time that my wife and I one time felt led to give to a specific thing. And it was a large sum of money that we had saved. And we were going to use that for something else. And and I prayed about it. In fact, um, I I was going to do it. And then I chickened out. And then I talked to the vet. And she looked at me. She's like, if God said to do it, you better do it. And so we did. And when I gave, I was scared. And sometimes we're afraid. But I want to tell you, listen, when it comes to giving, you start giving and you start being generous and keep doing it until you learn to love it. Because I'm going to tell you, when you learn to be generous, generous, you're going to learn to love being a person of generosity. And not only will you begin to love it, but you will position yourself where God says you will reap what you sow. And not only that, you're going to reap more than what you sow. Somebody say amen. So the first giving principle is your heart matters when you give. Here's a second giving principle. You ready? You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. I want you to continue reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look what it says. And God is able to bless you. What's the next word? What's that word? Abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now notice in that passage it says that he is the one who supplies your seed and your food. In other words, our ability to have a job, our ability to have things all come from God. Your ability to sow is because of God's favor and graciousness in your life. 
And you see, giving and, and returning the tithe is about stewardship. It's about recognizing who it all belongs to and who it all came from and who you're going to trust. So what the scripture teaches us with giving is not only is it important to make sure that our heart is involved in it, that our heart matters, but secondly, to understand that when you give, God says that he will give back to you and he will increase your store of seed. In other words, you're going to have more seed now. And not only is he going to multiply the seed, but he's going to multiply your harvest of righteousness. Could it be maybe the breakthrough in your life in that area you're struggling with to get freedom? Maybe it could be connected to your spirit of generosity and the things you're willing to sow. Could it be that that change in the dynamic of your family to begin to live more godly and serve God and, 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 and be empowered by his spirit to, to live a life of grace and peace is connected to the things that you're investing and sowing? God says you're going to increase your harvest of righteousness. In fact, let me just say this. You will never look more like God than when you are giving and when you are forgiving. For God so loved the world that he, when we give, when we forgive, we reflect the very image of our creator who loved us. See, you can keep, what you, you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. I'll tell you one more personal story um, with Devet and I. Um, you know, we, we have entered into the third, this, we're starting now the third year of our capital campaign where we're raising money to help us with the build out, with the money, the down payment to purchase this property. Many of you know next door we're going to be expanding and taking over home consignment. And let me just throw something out there. We've had people going into the store saying, hey, we heard you're closing. And um, they're not closing, they're moving, okay? So um, don't spread the word that the home consignment is closing. They're just moving. And we don't know when that's going to happen yet. They're subleasing from us right now, hallelujah. So we're taking care of that payment right now. But eventually they're going to relocate when we start our build out. And so one of the things we came to our church body to do was to ask them if they would consider being generous. And giving to the capital campaign, not the tithes, but because we have our normal operating budget, we have missions, we have things we're doing, and that money belongs to the Lord. It's for taking care of his house. But sometimes God gives us seasons and moments to do something different and new and great. And so we ask people to make a commitment, and I'll share a little bit more about that. And so my wife and I made a commitment to give. And uh, in that commitment is actually more than what we tithe each year. And so over the course of a three-year period of time, it was a significant amount of money. For us, uh, we've been committing about 23 to 24% of our income to God. And I want to tell you that as we did that, it was a sacrifice. We weren't sure how we were going to do it. And for us, the way that we figured a way to do that was through retirement resources. Now, money managers and financial planners are probably looking at me going, ah, no, no, don't go there. But for us, we really felt like that we wanted to invest in eternity. And we're believing that God was going to make up that later on in our life. Or if he doesn't, if I have to work five more years, I'll work five more years. Because to me, this life is so short when you look at eternity. And when it comes to eternity, I want to invest. The Bible says lay up treasure in heaven. And sometimes we lay all our treasure up on earth, and then guess what? We go to heaven, and it stays here. You've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul behind it, have you? So what happens is, is we made the decision we were going to do that. And so we had an amount that we've committed to, and we've been giving that for two years. We've got a, a year left. 
And it just so happened that we went through some situations. There was a debt that we owed on a particular uh, thing that we had done, an investment that we had made. And we owed a significant amount of money on this particular debt. And so we were able to, uh, I had a lawyer begin to work with us. And long story short is last year in 2014, we ended up negotiating with them and were able to pay a percentage of this off. And in the end, in fact, I was running the other day and I was praying and I was just thinking about God's generosity and faithfulness to me. And then the Lord reminded me, he said, remember your pledge? He said, remember how I blessed you last year? And I began to look at the number, and you know what I figured out? I realized that with one stroke of the pen in 2014, God forgave us of a debt that was $10,000 more than the pledge we made over three years. Do you realize that God returned back to us more than what we committed to him, and he did it just like that? I'm going to tell you, with God, he can do the impossible. He can cause an inheritance to come. He can cause a, a new job to, and client to open up. He can take and multiply. He will not be a debtor for what you sow, you're going to reap. And what you sow, you're going to reap more than what you sow. God says, I will shake it down, press it together, and it will be running over to you. And not only that, here's what the Bible says. You cannot give God because not only will he bless you in the financial arena, but he'll bless you in your harvest of righteousness. What kind of harvest is waiting for your children, for your relationships that God wants to bring? Isn't that good? Isn't that a good word? Amen. So your heart matters when you give. You cannot give God. And here's the third principle that we find in this passage, and we're going to close. I want the worship team to come. People, here's the third one. People will thank God because of what you give. People will thank God because of what you give. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way. Everybody say every way. Every way. It goes back to that multiplied, right? It, got, it says you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in giving thanks to God. Do you realize that there are people in Africa right now, there are orphans who are sleeping in a room that were not able to sleep in a room. They were packed in because they didn't have another room. But because of the generosity of people at Higher Vision Church, there are orphans now who are being taken care of because of an orphanage that we helped build. And because of your generosity, there are children who are thanking God because you know what it means to give. Did you know that last year there were like 2,000 pastors and leaders from nations all around Kenya that came in and that were fed and were taken care of, had a place to sleep and were equipped with the word and were trained and given Bibles and, and curriculum and resources. And the reason that they're praising God is because you and I were generous and gave and our missions department, our missions program and, and was able to give to pay for that whole thing. You and I, because of your generosity, people are praising Praising God in Africa. Did you know that in Haiti, there's a village that didn't have a church. There was no place that they could go to gather and worship. But because you gave and because of your generosity, there are people now who are gathering every Sunday and Wednesday and Tuesday and they're lifting their hands and they're worshiping God because you gave. People will thank God when you and I are generous. So today, as we conclude, 
I want to share with you the opportunity and just to share with you a testimony of how God blessed a family because they chose to give. And where they chose to give, and this is a family that honors the Lord with the, the tithe. They bring it faithfully to God. They've shared that with me over the years. They've been very faithful with that. And God has always provided for them and blessed them. But they decided not only to, to, to return the tithe to God, they decided to give to our capital campaign. And, you know, we are having a special uh, luncheon. For those of you that are new to our church, maybe you've come in the last couple years. Um, in a few weeks, on a Sunday after the second service, we're having a special banquet. And we want to share with you about our campaign and what our heart is and how we're wanting to expand. You know that there, this weekend there were 100 people, 50 couples that were here renewing their vows, strengthening their marriage. Some of them on the verge of divorce. They were here recommitting themselves to each other and God. And here's why. Because you and I gave. Because we're here in this room, in this building. We wouldn't have had the capability. When we started this church, we didn't have anything. But God has been faithful People are thanking him because of the generosity. And I just want you to see this quick testimony of someone who chose to make a commitment. And I'm going to tell you, you can't outgive God. Take a look at the screens. A couple years ago, Pastor Jared invited everyone in the church body to give to our Investing in a Miracle campaign to provide a means of the, uh, providing funds for the build out for our new building that we're enjoying right now. And we prayed about it and um, God gave us a figure which we thought would be challenging um, because it was um, around half again as much as our tithe was and we both agreed on that and felt good about that and then God told us to double that. We weren't sure how we could do that. It was pretty scary. It's one of those things that kind of gives you the chills when God tells you. And then I asked Diane for confirmation and she was getting the same message. We were trying to figure out how could we do that on a weekly basis. God basically told us, no, what I want you to do is take half of what you've been saving for your retirement and give that. That was kind of my that was kind of my security blanket that we were building. We just started building recently and didn't have much in it, but if God wanted it, it was God's. We did not expect any money to come in, but um, when my parents' house sold, the money was split between our, uh, myself and my two brothers, and it just happened, the amount that we got just happened to be 10 times that amount that we had given to God extra on top of what he had originally told us to give. So we gave to God, he gave back 10 times, and we, we're just so blessed and, and so happy that uh, God takes care of us in all that our needs. One thing I can say is you can never outgive God. I mean, we didn't do it for the blessing, we did it because of what he asked us to do, but he blessed us in return, and he can bless you. Amen, isn't that awesome? Let me say today, I'm not up here telling people to give their retirements away and all of that. God has to lead people in giving and how to do it. But what I am here to challenge you with is this, is that God blesses those who are generous. And I want to encourage you, maybe today, take this card, maybe today the starting place for you is God saying, I want you to return what belongs to me, that 10%. And I want you to learn how to trust me by returning the tithe to the local church and watch me bless you. You know, I made a commitment last week that if people in this church will commit to tithe for a year, 
at the end of the year, if you're a good steward, in other words, you don't go out and buy things you can't afford, but if you're a good steward, if you don't see after one year that God has faithfully provided and blessed you, come back and we'll give you your money back. You know why? I can do that because I have every confidence that God's word is true. When God says, test me and I will prove it to you. Did you know I've done this probably four or five times in the history of our church for four or five years? Never once have I had anyone come back because God has proven himself. Now, obviously, sometimes you have to make an adjustment and some cuts and things, but God always blesses and he multiplies. So maybe today God's speaking to you to start with this little part on the bottom which says, I want to commit to tithe. I'm going to trust God in the year 2015. I'm going to stand up and lead. I'm going to see if his principles are true. I'm going to invest in things beyond myself. I'm going to invest in eternity. Maybe for you it's recommitting to tithe. Maybe you've been caught up in things and there have been extra stuff and you've dipped into God's resources. Maybe today God's challenging you to say, okay, this year I'm going to trust him. And maybe today you're like many of us who are giving to help with this extra project we're doing. And maybe, you know, we've got one year left. We've got about 12 to 13 months to finish out. Right now, let me give you an update on where we are. Guys, if you'll bring this up on the screens. We had um, in the beginning of our campaign, we had $2,680,829.20 pledged to help us with our capital campaign. As of today, after two years, we've received total um, $971,647.46. So we've got about a million and a half to go, a little over a million and a half. This is the last year. Maybe for you, you're going to really double down and say, Lord, we're going to make this happen. Begin to help us and provide. Maybe you want to recommit to generosity, to give to that. Maybe today the Lord's going to speak to you to do something to help us reach our goal. If we can reach our goal of 1.6 million, if that all comes in, can I tell you that we'll have enough to finish off this build out that we have. It'll give us the money we need for our down payment. We'll be in a position for all the things we need to take care of the vision God has placed in our heart. How many believe that God's given us a vision and it's a godly vision to make a difference in this community?